0: Now, I said we were talking about prayer in our series, and this next person that's going to preach, which is Shauna Boren, is a prime example of how prayer works. They left as a family, and we, many of us, prayed them back up here, and they have moved back up here. So give a warm Woodland Hills welcome to Shauna Boren. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, guys. It is awesome to be back. And... How about that little girl on the uh, Heroes Gate video? Wasn't she something? I tell you, her parents must be pretty incredible to produce such an adorable child. That would be my daughter. Um, and I don't know how any of you can resist her call, her plea for help. So just rush right on out to the hub after service, not right now. They're okay right now. Rush on out to the hub after service and sign up to help those kids learn more about Jesus. It's, it's a really fun time back there, so, and those are awesome kids. And like Mary said, you get to give them back to their parents when you're done. So that's a golden, golden, golden plus. So yes, it is so good to be back up in Minnesota. Uh, we were away for two years. We are here. We're not just visiting. We're here, here, here. You're stuck with us. And we brought with us some of the warmth and the humidity, so you're welcome. I know you guys are missing that. We've been talking about prayer this summer, and Greg has really given us uh, a lot of good meat uh, to chew on in regards to prayer. And if you've missed any of those sermons, I really encourage you to uh, grab those podcasts and listen to them. Uh, because they've been really, really powerful. And I will do my best not to uh, derail it too much or, or butcher it too badly. But we are going to continue um, in our talk about prayer this morning. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually look up the definition of prayer in the dictionary. You guys, the dictionary is an actual book, it's not just an app on your phone. So you can look up the word prayer in the dictionary, or you can look it up on your phone if that's the way you like to do it. And by definition, prayer is simply an invocation, a calling out to a deity, something higher, um, in hopes of creating a rapport. That's the definition of prayer. It's the act of calling out to deity in hopes of creating a rapport between you and deity. And then there are various forms of prayer. We just experienced one form, which is worship. How was that worship this morning? Did you guys enjoy that? It was good. Thank you, worship team. <laughs> worship is a form of prayer. You know, uh, reading scriptures is a form of prayer. Praying prayers that you've learned, um, liturgical prayers, that that's also a form of prayer. Uh, requesting help or guidance, that's prayer. Um, prayer takes on many various forms. And all of that is good, and all of that is okay, but what I want us to see today is that prayer, if we just look at it logically, if we just look at it methodically, if we're not careful, can become quite stale. And I believe that cr- reaching out to our Father, reaching out to a- for a connection with Abba, can be so much more. I believe it's meant to be so much more than logical, methodical, stale. I believe it's meant to be powerful and life-changing and energizing. So with all that being said, let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence that is here. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this auditorium. You know exactly who is here and exactly where they are sitting. Lord, for those who are listening via podcast or by other means, you know them by name. You know exactly where they are. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to their hearts specifically today exactly what they need to hear from you today. Maybe they don't even know that they need it, Father, but I pray that you would touch their hearts in a special way today. Father, I thank you that we can come to you, that the pathway is open to approach you and to connect with you and to hear your voice. So speak to us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that at the core of our very being, is a natural yearning to cry out for something more, to touch something beyond our immediate experience, our immediate circumstance. I believe that there is something within us that has this this yearning just to reach out and touch something greater and something better, something more. And if we allow it, if we really do allow it, prayer can be the most intimate, the most life-changing, the most personal language that you and I can speak. Every single one of us in in this room has a story. We all have a story. We all have a background. There is no way I can know intimately all of the stories represented here. Just like, even though you may know me, you you cannot know all the details of my story. Every one of us comes with something different. All of us have the fingerprint of God on our lives. But each of us are also very unique, and that's the way we were created. So each of us, from our different backgrounds, our different cultures, our different genders, our different upbringings, we all bring something different to the table, and that's the beauty of being a part of the body of Christ. And so given that we are all unique, and we each have a different story, and we bring different things to the table, it would make sense that each of our prayer lives are going to be different, and are going to be unique. And that is awesome, that is good, that is okay. Okay. I think too many times we assume or we think that to be a person of prayer means something that we just cannot attain. To be a person of prayer is just a a standard that we can just never reach. There's a few verses in the Bible that talk about prayer. I mean, there's many verses in the Bible that talk about prayer, but there's some in particular that talk about prayer that I believe kind of set a high standard. And when I read these, I pray that someday I would be um, as prayerful as as these verses say, but we're not all there. So if we take a look at Genesis chapter 5, we read about a man by the name of Enoch, Genesis Old Testament man by the name of Enoch says that when Enoch had lived 65 years he became the father he became the father of Methuselah after he became the father of Methuselah Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters altogether Enoch lived a total of 365 years Enoch walked faithfully with God says it again then he was no more because God took him away Can you imagine your life just being so wrapped up in the life of God, being so faithful to the things of God, that just, it's like all of a sudden you're just, you're done. And God just kind of takes you away because you're just that in tune with him. I can't imagine that. But that's a pretty high standard to try to reach. If we look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, this is one that you guys probably have heard of before. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... Every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That is a great verse to memorize. Many of us have, but it's kind of hard to continually live up to day in and day out, every day, you know, when we're fighting with our spouse, which I never do, by the way. Um, when we're wrestling with our children, when we're, you know, upset with a coworker, or when we're just frustrated about something in the home, or whatever it is, sometimes it's hard to not be anxious about anything. And it's hard to have a, a thanksgiving attitude in every situation. In John chapter 15, verse 4, we see that it says, Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's talking about remaining. Remaining in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. Just staying in that place so that we can bear fruit. But... The realities of life sometimes make it kind of difficult to stay in that place, to remain. So while we read the scripture and we can pray that that would become true in our life, sometimes we may not always live up to that standard. One of my favorites that I've always struggled with in my almost 39 years of life is found in 1 Thessalonians, and the King James Version says to pray without ceasing. How many of you guys have ever heard that verse? Pray without ceasing. What that means is just to pray continually. And I have honestly, maybe you haven't, but I have honestly wondered, what does that look like in reality, to pray continually? Like, is it a continual verbal conversation? And when I think about that, and when I ponder that, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with my son, Gavin, who's eight and a half, a couple of weeks ago. So, I was letting Gavin um, go from our fourth floor apartment down to the first floor to uh, let some um, get his brother and bring him back up, okay? And I was gonna let him do this by himself. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but for an eight and a half year old, he felt like this was like a big boy moment for him. Now, the only stipulation I had was that he take with him um, a cell phone so that I can just make sure that he was good, and I was going to be on the phone with him, and I just thought that I could kind of hear if anything were to go wrong, and I would just kind of be able to keep dibs on him. But my son Gavin is very literal, and so when I said to him, hey, Gavin, I just want to make sure I know where you are, make sure everything's okay, it's only going to take a couple of minutes, so... He was good with that, and he was excited, so he leaves, and the next thing I know, um, I hear him, okay, hey, mom, on the phone, yeah, bud, he's like, okay, I'm walking down the hall, (laughs) awesome, okay, I've turned the corner, and I'm walking to the elevator, I push the elevator button, the doors haven't opened yet, but I hear the the elevator coming, (laughs) the doors are opening, (laughs) and I think, this cannot continue, but it does. I'm getting on the elevator. The doors are closing. We're at floor three. We're at floor two. We're at floor one. And I'm like, I get it. You're good. And all the way back up. Same thing. That's kind of what I picture. Uh, praying continually or praying without ceasing, and quite frankly, I just don't envision being able to do that in in my life. I don't. I don't. I can't envision being able just to have a constant verbal communication with our Father. That would be great, but I'm afraid that other things in my life wouldn't get done. So, I don't know about you, but I kind of made an assumption early in my in my walk with the Lord that. Um, As I grew in spiritual maturity as we're all supposed to do As I grew in the things of god that my prayer life would just you know be a continual growth Just shoot straight up from beginning all the way to whenever you know jesus takes me home And it would kind of look like this That this would be my prayer life, you know starts young and small, but it just shoots straight up as a side note, I did draw this myself, and if you would like lessons on graph drawing, I am happy, happy to oblige. So that was the assumption, but in reality, if we're honest, our prayer life really looks a bit more like this. It's a bit jagged. You know, we're doing good, we're on a high, then we're doing bad, and we're on a low, or maybe we're okay, or we plateau. It's, it's, it's kind of unpredictable. It's up and down, and, and not a very pretty straight line that's ascending up into the heavens. That's that's the reality. And you know what? The reality is absolutely okay. We don't have to be ashamed about that. That is absolutely okay. The standard, these these goals that we set for ourselves or these images that we think or these ideas that we have about what prayer is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be done, we don't really have to worry about that. We don't have to live up to that because that is not... Uh, reality, uh, it, Our prayer life is not picture perfect, nor is it meant to be. You know what? We may have even thought, um, hey, is, is God even listening when I pray? Um, is, does this even work? You know, I've prayed for this friend for healing, and it hasn't happened yet. Or I prayed for this person to change, and it hasn't happened yet. Or I've prayed for myself and this struggle and this sin that I, that I experienced, and it, this I haven't broken free of that yet is this prayer stuff even work? And it's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to have those thoughts. If it's one thing we've learned around here is that questioning, asking those questions um, is absolutely okay. We don't have to be afraid to do that. The world that we live in is messy. It's not picture perfect. There's all kinds of things going on and we live smack dab in the middle of it. So it makes sense that when we pray, smack dab in the middle of the messy situational, circumstantial stuff that sometimes our prayers can be a little messy and cattywampus as well. So what do we do with that? I think that we just accept it. We know that the way we pray, the way that we naturally speak, the way that we cry out to God is absolutely okay. We don't have to change our verbiage. We don't have to Um, pray just a scripture. We don't have to mimic someone else that we've heard that we think is an amazing prayer. We don't have to pray loud and scream if we're more quiet and subdued. You know, that is all okay. Um, An effective prayer life won't happen overnight. It won't be pretty, and it won't be something that you can diagram in a nice little graph. It can't be reduced to formulas or mechanics. You know, it should come from a place of desire, not from a place of guilt. It should uh, be done out of passion, not out of um, trying to follow principles. Uh, Prayer can even be birthed out of desperation. Man, out of desperation sometimes when we can cry out to God, those are some of the most powerful prayers that we can pray. But not out of obligation. Remember, prayer is not picture perfect. And that is why I decided to call this message Valley Fair Prayer. Isn't that cool? Valley fair prayer, I think of roller coasters, and I think of adventure and fun, and sometimes wanting to vomit, and highs and lows and ups and downs and fast, and oh my gosh, craziness. But that's kind of how our prayer life can be, and that is absolutely okay. In the midst of our life stuff and all those pesky variables and circumstances that we all know occur, we can have this adventurous, crazy, up-and-down, sometimes want to puke, just awesome prayer time. Because God is always at work. Jesus tells us that, that God is always at work. In the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with today, God is at work. In the midst of whatever challenge you face, God is at work. In the midst of whatever joyous occasion you're experiencing, God is at work. And when we pray, we are simply tapping into what God is already doing. He is at work, and so when we pray, we are lining ourselves up to join in on his team. He's on the field, for those of you who like football. He's on the field. He's called to play, and we're just being, you know, we're being put in in our position to to, to play our part, and God is always at work, and we join in with that. We are tapping into kingdom life, and we are tapping into kingdom light in the midst of darkness and death. That's what we're doing when we pray. We're opening up those pathways to be one with the Father. Now, we all know that this world that we're living in is not God's ideal. We all know that there are problems everywhere. We know that there can be hindrances to our prayer life and our times of prayer. But I believe that our prayer life, our conversations with our Father can truly thrive in the midst of those problems. I don't believe that our problems or our concerns or our worries have to be something that disqualify us from going to God and praying effectively. In fact, our prayer life can thrive in those situations. There are times, if you're honest, that you may admit that sometimes you just don't feel like praying. Maybe your your mind is tired, your emotions are flat, and you just don't feel like praying. You just don't believe that you're going to get An answer you just don't even think you have anything to bring to him that's okay there are times you may not know what to say or how to formulate the words you may feel like whatever you are saying is just inarticulate and just groans and it just makes no sense that's okay you may have prayed and thought you heard God and followed what he said and then wondered, what the heck did I do and where are you now God that is okay Your time with the Lord, your touch from God can thrive in the midst of all of that. You know, we talked earlier about the fact that my family uh, moved—we were here for six years, and we moved back down to Texas for a couple of years, and we just came back. And we are excited about that. We believe God is in that. But I can tell you this, that could not have happened without prayer. Prayer with our family, prayer uh, with other friends and and a community of people that we trust— People praying for us, um, us praying for others, us praying about the decision. It couldn't have happened without prayer. Yesterday afternoon, I got an email from one of the members of the prayer team here, and and she was just saying, hey, we're praying for you. Um, If you want to let us know what you're talking about, we'll be sure to be praying for that. And I got to tell you, it absolutely energized my soul and my spirit to know that I had people praying for what was going to be said to you guys today. It absolutely helps. So prayer is so very effective. Sometimes we are in too much pain to pray. I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes what we're going through or what we've just experienced, it's just too raw and it's just too painful and we don't even have the wherewithal to muster anything to call out to God. All of that is okay. We don't have to beat ourselves up about that. We don't have to feel stuck we don't have to feel like, until I get beyond this, I can't grow anymore. I can't go any further. Because God can meet you and will meet you and wants to meet you right there in that, in that feeling of being stuck. Most of us consider stuck, that feeling of being stuck, as a sign of failure. But I'm going to tell you, it can be the most powerful point in your prayer time with the Lord. When you just come to the end of yourself and you just lift your hands and you just say, I got nothing. I just need you. And the amazing thing is, our Father, Abba, he comes to us. He comes to you and gives you just what you need at that exact time. He knows you that well, and he loves you that much, that when you just say to him, I got nothing. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know if I want to say it. He's okay with that. He can handle that. And he comes, and he meets us there. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We can know that once we reach that that point of dissatisfaction, we reach that dead-end road, that God is right there to pull us through. When we allow Abba just to come in and to take over, just take over, we just say, that's it, I'm done, and we allow him to come in and take over, we'll find that he'll lead us to this place of safety. And he'll lead us to this place where we can be vulnerable. But it's a safe vulnerability that we experience. Greg referred to this last week as the inner sanctum. And when I think about this and as I pray about this, I just the word safe place just kept coming to mind. And so when we sang that song in worship about being safe, I just it was like uh, just a little, yep, yeah, you're good to go. You can call it the safe place. You'll be all right. So when um, we allow Abba to take over, we find ourselves in this place of just vulnerability and of safety, our safe place. And this is where we'll find, if we allow it, that the Holy Spirit will point us to Jesus. He'll kind of take our eyes off of whatever it is that we're troubled with or praying about or concerned with or wondering about, and he'll point our eyes to Jesus. It's a place of intimacy, intimacy. That can seem scary, but remember, this is safe. It's a place of intimacy. It's like this one-on-one connection with just you and the almighty creator. The almighty, the creator of everything, wants this personal connection with you. When we're in this safe place, we'll find that the door to our inner soul is opened, and everything that we have within us can just come bubbling up to the surface. The passions of our hearts, the frustrations in our our life, the joys that we're experiencing, the pains that we long to express, it all comes bubbling up to the top. And we find that we can be our true selves, the truest of our true selves with God when we're in this safe place and we're experiencing this intimacy because he's taking care of us there. Where everything within us knows that it's going to be okay, knowing that we are accepted for who we are, right where we are in the midst of what we're going through. We don't have to get our stuff all together. We don't have to get all prettied and gussied up before we come. Just for who we are, we are accepted. I have this piece of paper. It was originally the form of a plane. And I'm very sorry, I cannot do it because I'm not gifted in that way, but that's okay. This was an airplane, and my son, Declan, my oldest, who just turned 10, um, likes to write me little notes from time to time. Um, he's a little bit of a writer, like his dad. And so one day, I'm sitting in my room doing something, and this this really was an airplane, I promise. But this airplane comes flying in, and I pick it up, and it says, please unfold. And I thought, okay, this will be interesting. So I open it up, and you'll see it here. This is what my son says to me. I love you very much. No offense, but sometimes I stick out my tongue at you. (laughs) So tender. (laughs) I'm such a good mama. Um, But you know what? When I read this, I chuckled. I think I even cried a little bit, not out of hurt, but because I just thought it was so sweet and so endearing that my boy knew his place was safe enough in my heart and in my life that he can be honest with me. I had obviously frustrated him in some way. I can't imagine how, but I had done something and he just needed to let me know, hey, I love you and I really don't want to offend you but sometimes I do stick my tongue out at you. That's like his little form of rebellion. And it's, it was okay with me. It did not cause me to love him less. It wasn't like, oh, shock, you know. It was, just, it was sweet, and it was endearing. And I absolutely love that my kid can be that real with me. And I believe that our father feels the same about you and I. We can absolutely be that real with him. When we're in our safe place... We can be vulnerable, we can be honest, we can say, you're ticking me off right now, I don't understand this. He's not going to smite you down, I promise. You're going to be okay. You're in a safe place. You can say, God, I love you, but right now I just want to stick my tongue out you, no offense. Because when you say no offense, it kind of negates the bad thing that you just said. (laughs) In our safe place, we are free from the pressure to pretend or perform. It's just you and him, and he knows us completely, and he wants to be known by us, so we don't have to feel that pressure to pretend or perform. We don't have to make sure that our words are eloquent. We don't have to make sure that we're closing our eyes for just the right amount of time or kneeling for just the right amount of time or whatever it is that we assume that we're supposed to do. we will discover new and fresh encounters with God when we're in our safe place. Most importantly, when you're in that safe place, you'll find him waiting for you. Just waiting. Waiting to be with you. And he will meet with you, and he'll take you deeper and deeper into his love. In this safe place, we'll find that we allow God to touch us and heal us and restore us, and we can reach out and we can touch him. We can allow him to affirm our worth You can allow him to say those things to you that are so true about you that you may not believe about yourself, and you can allow him to set you free. Just set you free. Being set free doesn't mean that you were involved in something horrible. Being set free just means you're just letting go and letting God just take you and make you new and make you whole. That's a very beautiful thing. In the safe place, we can let him lead us deeper. Sometimes he wants to deal with something, and we allow him to, and then he says, okay, trust me a little bit more. Trust my grace a little bit more, and he takes you a little bit deeper. You're like, oh, man, I wasn't ready to go there. But it's okay because you're in your safe place, and he takes you a little bit deeper. And before you know it, you're being set free from things, things that used to really be painful to you. You find that it, it's, it's better. You feel better. You don't feel as wounded. Your heart and your soul feels a bit fresher, a bit lighter when you allow God to take you into this safe place. And when we surrender to this process, we do not go unchanged. There is no way out of coming out of our safe place and spending that time with the creator that we go unchanged. We'll find that when we do this, we'll find that there is an important aspect to prayer that we can enter into. And this is something that may be a little bit harder for some of us, especially in America, but it's called the place of rest. A place of rest. Resting with Jesus. You may think that sounds lazy, but it's not. Many believe resting in Christ to be the most foundational and powerful form of prayer. Resting in Christ is kind of like when God places his children in the eye of the storm. The eye of the storm is that region of mostly calm weather found at the center of a strong tropical cyclone. So God takes you and he places you in the eye of the storm and stuff is swirling around you. You know, maybe people haven't changed yet. Maybe healing hasn't come yet. Maybe your neighbor is still bugging the heck out of you. Maybe your kids are still frustrating you and you can't wait two more weeks for school to start. You know, it doesn't matter because God has you in the center of a calm place. It doesn't necessarily mean all those things just go away. It just means in the center of that, you can be peaceful. You can be focused. You can be safe. You can be secure. You can know that you are Okay, You can know that although those things are going on about you, they're not going to shake you. They're not going to tear you down because you're in that safe place. Many of us just don't know how to rest. And that's just the truth of the matter. Uh, Rest is the decision that we have to choose to make. We can't always just, okay, I had my prayer time and now I'm out the door, I got to go. We have to sometimes create those places where we allow rest to happen. We have to choose to do nothing, even though we've got so much to do. Choose to do nothing in his presence, even though we've got so much to do. We've got to learn to listen to our bodies, listen to our souls, listen to when they're tired or weary, and just allow ourselves to enter into the rest. Um, there was a lady last night who came up and talked to me a little bit, and she said that she had kind of done a study on resting in God, and she said that really, like, as she studied it in its um, original f- a meaning, that that word rest means to literally, like, take a breath, like, just take a a breath, and as you breathe in, it's just like breathing in the life of God, just bring, breathing in the spirit of God and letting that fill your lungs, and then just breathing out. That's that's resting. And we don't have to rush through this process. I encourage you, I challenge you, do not rush through this process of rest. So many of us, and it's understandable, we're speeding through life. We've got schedules that annihilate us. We have a job, we have a family, or we're looking for a job, or we're looking for a family. You know, we've got kids and and schedules and games and shopping lists and um, all these things to do. And we can just speed through life And so many times we we discover that we're just weary and we're just tired because we're always on the go. And all the while, God is calling us into his rest. Just come and sit and be restored. We've lost Jesus in the blurred landscape of our life sometimes. Sometimes. You know, if you just can look at your life as a highway, which so many of us it is, because we're always just speeding to and fro somewhere. We're speeding here, we're speeding there. And if we're not careful, it can kind of be like, man, Jesus and our our time with him and what he has to say to us and um, through us and about us is just like this blurred landscape that we don't have time to notice. When we would travel back and forth to visit family down in Texas, we became very familiar with rest stops. We became very familiar, you know, through each of the states that we would drive through with our four kids, you know, going through potty training and all that loveliness. We would learn like which rest stops were good to stop at, which rest stops you like maybe could get a drink of water, but I'd rather you go pee on a tree than go into that bathroom. You kind of learn all that kind of stuff. Um, And so when I was thinking about this, I I, just kind of got this picture of what if in the busyness of our life, what if we just hopped off the highway? entered to the rest stop and just sat there and we would notice jesus just sitting there at that rest stop waiting for us like hey man i've been waiting for you for miles i'm glad you're here let's take a break let's rest if we pull over to the rest area we can notice jesus sitting there waiting for you waiting to bring you refreshment waiting to bring you restoration and peace last week greg talked to us quite a bit about our imagination and how um, we can use our imagination to connect with God in a very special way, how we can use our senses, you know, if we could um, imagine ourselves seeing Jesus and imagining ourselves even touching him and smelling him and, and um, how that would kind of enrich our, our prayer life and I would love for us to do that some today, just to kind of envision ourselves resting with Jesus, envisioning ourselves just taking a break. We're not talking about being lazy. We're not talking about quitting your job and just sitting home. You know, I mean, we do have rent to pay and mortgages and groceries and utilities. I'm not talking about, I'm just saying taking some time to rest with the one who can give you refreshment, who can re-energize you. If we could just enter into that time of rest, we could hear him say to us things like, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But God, I'm really worried about this, and it's really pressing. Be still and know that I am God in that situation. We can use our imaginations, and we can just take that time to rest, we'll hear him say in the midst of the bills that we don't know if we can get paid or the job that we don't like but we have to work or the neighbor that we're trying to reach out to who doesn't want us to reach out to them, whatever it is, you can hear him say, be still and know that I am God even in that situation. I am God. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your daily life, be still and know I am God right there. We can hear him say to us from Matthew chapter 11, and this is from the message. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When we're in that place of rest, we can hear him saying these things to us. We can hear him taking the burden off and, and taking that on himself and setting us free. It's important to commit yourself to this time of rest. It's so hard for us, like I said, because so many of us associate growth with hard work. And this is just the opposite of that. It's only when we cease from striving and we rest in the unconditional love of Christ that our soul begins to be nourished and our soul begins to be restored. And we need this rest in order to be made well. Rest is what our soul needs most in its hungry, weary, and wounded state. Some of us don't even realize that we need it, but I promise you, You need time with your Abba. You need to give whatever it is that you're holding on to over to him. You need to let him take that burden from you. You need to enter into this time of rest. We need to let go of our tight-fisted efforts. You know, I can do this. I can do this. I can make this happen. We just learn to let go of that and see that he's already there, right there in our midst, ready to take it on, help us out, and walk us through whatever it is that we're going through the goal of rest is pretty simple but there is a goal there is a purpose the goal of rest is for you to just be you and that's most likely imperfect and that's absolutely okay and then the second part is is you let God just be God which is pretty incredible Absolutely perfect, perfectly perfect. You be you, and you let God be God, and you see what happens. I promise you, it's beautiful. I promise you, it's life-changing, and it's restorative, and it'll help you become healthy and whole. It'll help you be able just to breathe, and your soul just to feel alive. When you're in this place of you being you and God being God, you're led to the truth. The truth of who you are and the truth of who God is. And when we're there in that place, then God can begin to tell you who he sees when he looks at you, what he calls you, how he identifies you, instead of all those things that we say to ourselves, or those images that we try to live up with. We can just receive the truth of what he has to say about us. So why do we pray? This is the closing part, you guys. Why do we pray? Why are we talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks? Because prayers do change outcomes. I've seen that over and over again in my life. I'm sure you've seen it some in your life. Prayers do change outcomes. Because even reluctant prayers, prayers that we don't know how to pray or don't know if we want to pray, can turn into passionate prayers of faith when we give that reluctance over to God. And also because prayer opens pathways into our lives for love to grow. For God's love to grow in us. It opens the pathway for us to be released from things that are weighing us down, things that we may be resistant to or things that we may not even realize that we need to let go of or not quite ready to let go of. Prayer leads us into that place where we can just lay those things down and allow more love to grow and allow God to take us even further and even deeper and love us even more. It enables us to tune into the Father's voice, to hear what it is that he has to say to you. Because he's always wanting to say something. He loves us. He desires to speak to us. He desires to hear what's going on in your heart. He desires to know what's going on in your mind. He wants to hear from you. And he wants to speak to you. So if you will, just give me a couple of minutes. And just close your eyes. I promise nothing weird's going to happen. Close your eyes and just try to forget about the person next to you on either side. The people in front of you, the people behind you, just try to forget about all of that and hear the Father's voice. Listen to the Father's heart as He says to you today, You have all of my attention. Every last bit of my attention is on you. You are invited to come to me. The invitation is open. Come to me anytime. I have everlasting love for you. It is never-ending. It is everlasting. The Father says to you today that he is at peace with you. Hear him say, I am at peace with you today. Right where you are, right now. Hear him say that I have great joy and delight in you. Maybe other people don't see in you what I see in you. Maybe other people don't take joy or delight in you. Maybe other people have spoken ill about you or to you. But I, your Father, have great joy and delight in you. Jesus, thank you for speaking your words to us today. Father, I pray that you would touch hearts. I pray that you would change lives. I pray that we would come to you. I pray that we would rest with you. I pray that we would spend time in our safe place with you. Oh, Lord, help us. Speak to us your truth. Father, encourage every heart. Father, help them to know how you see them and how you love them. Help them to live and walk in that reality of what you've said to them today. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys. Remember two things. Uh, Go on out to the hub and sign up for one of those, um, those prayer classes. That would be great. Um, go help out in Heroes Gate. That would be awesome. And if you have something that you uh, would love prayer for, we have prayer teams that will be up here. They have been praying for you all week. Um, They have a passion to do this. So come this way. Let them agree with you in prayer so you can just get that burden lifted off. Thanks so much, you guys. Have an awesome day.